Hi, this is Denise Reed Lamoureux, the Global Chief Diversity Officer at Atos Corporation. If you want to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannoutsis. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. It is now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. Listeners, thanks for joining the show today. I have a guest here. Her name's Denise Lead Lamoureux, and Denise is the Global Chief Diversity Officer at ATOS, um, a proven track record of producing extraordinary results in her role. Denise uh, is based in Rochester, New York, and she's been involved in diversity and learning-related endeavors for 30-plus years. Her career has encompassed secondary education, professional leadership coaching, leadership and instructing at both the University of Rochester, Simon Business School, Munro Community Colleges of Corporate College Program. Denise, hey, welcome to the show today. Thanks, Dennis. I'm so glad to be here and to be with you again, having gone back as far as our careers at Electronic Data Systems EDS together. So glad to be here. Awesome. Hey, great. Thank you. Hey, so Denise, I've just done a quick introduction um, about you. So why don't you share a little bit more about your background? Sure, Dennis. I'd be happy to. And I just wanted to mention how nice it is to be back in your company again, having had a history together when we both worked at Electronic Data Systems. So my career began as a secondary English teacher and history teacher when I first graduated from university. And then I was able to stay home for a couple of years when I had my children. When it was time to go back to the workplace, that's when corporate training was becoming a career option. And so I decided to take that option and explore the corporate realm. And at that point, I became a global trainer for the first Xerox Corporation and then Electronic Data Systems when we became the outsourcing provider for Xerox. I was in that role as a trainer for EDS for several years, and at that time, I also helped establish the Women at EDS program, which was a global entity, and I um, was able to continue that role once we were purchased by Hewlett-Packard, and I stepped into a management of global trainers role for HP. I not only had the lead role of the women at HP Network, I also was responsible for developing their first ever Employee Network Council, where we awarded awards to those people who were very active as volunteers in the employee networks, and we also gave a, a number of grants to community groups. That's where my love for diversity and inclusion began. 
Flash forward to 2015, when I was able to join Atos Corporation, first as a trainer, and then I moved into the North America diversity officer role. From there, I moved quickly into the global diversity officer role, which I have been in now for a little over three years. And I would, you know, say that it's been an exciting journey, um, a journey with many twists and turns, but I was always able to fall back on those transferable skills that I developed at a younger age. And I'm thrilled to be where I'm at now and feel like I'm the luckiest person in the world. Excellent. Wow. That sounds like a really, really cool uh, role that you've had and journey, so which is really good. Yeah, it's been wonderful. Denise, um, here's a question for you, and that is, uh, who is your favorite leader? Now, this person could be alive or from history. So who's your favorite leader and why? So when I first looked at these questions, I was really excited by this one because this has been a person I've greatly admired ever since I was a child and first had to start doing those biography assignments in school. And the person I'm very much in admiration of is Eleanor Roosevelt. There's a lot of reasons for that. She's been called all kinds of different things through the years, but President Truman said it very well when he called her the first lady of the world. She really had a lifelong passion for humanitarian efforts and was really very instrumental in helping the UN get its start. The legacy of her words and her work appears in the constitutions across many different nations. And still her her you know, presence is felt in some international laws that protect the rights of men and women across the world. I was fascinated by her story, you know, as the wife of FDR during the very critical years in the United States where this country needed strong leaders. And the fact that she started the first radio broadcast as a first lady for the women of the United States during the Depression, offering them really practical advice on how they could become more financially solvent. And just that very stepping forward, stepping out, stepping out of her comfort zone is something I've always really admired. And I have one quote of hers that kind of became my mantra, do what you feel in your heart to be right for you'll be criticized anyways. And so I think that's, you know, a little act of bravery that all of us can take some, you know, lessons from and try to apply when we find ourselves in those situations where we're afraid to take that next step forward. Yeah, so many people are afraid to take their next step forward. And I think it's just a beautiful quote because, I mean, a lot of people are afraid to take their next step because of what might other people say or being criticized or the fear. And you're right. I mean, I think that's that's something whereby what that quote, what she's saying is that it doesn't matter. Just just go. You're gonna you you're, people are gonna say things anyhow. So just go and do it. And I mm-hmm. think that is that is a that is a perfect quote. Um, to sort of start things off. So the show is called Leadership is Changing. When we when I say that term, what what does that um, that term mean for you? Boy, it means so many different things. Uh-huh. You know, I work in the tech space, and so it's about the fourth industrial revolution, the blurring of boundaries between physical, digital, bio- biological worlds. It's 3D printing, it's genetic engineering, it's quantum computing, it's AI, it's you know decarbonization, it's the pace of change. And mm. so it's all of these things. But it's also um, having faith and having hope 
and marshalling the troops, so to speak, and pulling people together so that there is a process around change, there is a communication channel within change, and that people are included instead of excluded in the decisions that are going to be made that affect how they work, where they work, why they work. You know, we've got five generations, four major races in the world, 195 countries make up this planet, 5,000 plus different ethnic groups, nine time zones, you know, and we all should have one goal when it comes to leadership, and that's leading the people effectively and making sure we keep them apprised of what's going on at all steps. Yeah, uh, oh, nice. And when you say keep them appraised uh, of each of the steps, what do you mean? What, what what do leaders have to do to enable that? Well, it first starts with, you know, being as transparent as they possibly can and keeping the lines of communication open. It's using your IQ to show more EQ and making sure that people realize that you are, quote unquote, in the trenches with them going forward with the changes that are taking place. It's letting them know who they can turn to for support, what the websites are that they need to access the information from, which group of five is going to go first in this process, when will training take place, what resources will be available to them on the first day they log into this new tool, or whatever it is that shapes this change that they're dealing with. It's being inclusive. You know, you talk about diversity and inclusion. You can be a company that's very diverse, you know, having all of the right people in the right places from different backgrounds, different walks of life, ethnicities, races, creeds, etc. But that doesn't mean you're inclusive. That doesn't mean those people come into the office knowing that they're valued for what they do, that they are accepted for who they are, and that they have equal opportunities to thrive. And as a leader, unless you're providing that foundational safety net, so to speak, nobody's going to be comfortable with anything that's happening. And so you really have to always have that at the forefront of what you do. And do you, do you feel that, uh, in your opinion, watching leaders around the world in different organizations, we, we talk about diversity and inclusion. Diversity seems to get a lot of sort of press, if I can put it that way. The inclusion, I, I think, sometimes gets forgotten or it's sort of because it's always the DNI and it's sort of the eye sort of gets left behind. Is, is that what your thoughts and your, your experience has been? And, and what can we do around that? Such a great question, and one that is becoming more and more important, as you point out. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We started off, you know, with best of intentions in every entity across the world that we were going to become more diverse. Mm. But again, that didn't mean we were going to be, we were focusing on that inclusive piece so that people feel like they belong. Sometimes these roles are called diversity, inclusion, and belonging, diversity and inclusion and equity. So you kind of get the gist of where I'm going here that we have had to make a shift over the past few years from saying, yeah, we have sexual harassment training. Yeah, we have anti-discrimination training. And that's our diversity program. Well, you and I both know that that's not going to be enough, no matter what the company is that says these, mm. these things. So it's getting beyond the checkbox to making sure that as people are being interviewed and screened for interviews that we're taking into consideration that we want our employee base to be a reflection of what society looks like. When I walk down the sidewalk, I don't know about you, if I look around, I don't see people who look exactly like me from my exact age group wearing the exact same kind of clothes as I am. I see very different people around me. And that's what we need to have more of in the workplace. 
And, you know, this is the first time in the history of the working world where we actually have five generations in the same building at the same time. So we have to be representative of the generational balance. We want to be representative of the gender balance and people of color and people of all different walks of life and leadership roles. And that's what's been changing over these past five to 10 years, wherein leaders are having to pull their thoughts together around what it means to be an inclusive leader, what it means to provide equitable opportunities, and what it means for them and for their teams and for the company if they are able to pay attention to all of this and hire the right people at the right time. When you when you talk about the five generations in the building right now, you know, this is sort of really quite interesting to hear that. Mm-hmm. When you say the five generations in the building right now, all those generations will will want things different from leadership. So if, in general, though, what do you think they want in leadership? They want that opportunity to be heard and to be respected and to have the chance to stretch themselves. They want a leader who will you know, really make them aware of what the team metrics are that they should be living up to and keep them informed as to where they stand within the team hierarchy. Mm. They also want a leader who is going to go to bat for them, you know, speak for their for them and be on their behalf when there's opportunities for advancement or for additional learning programs that have to be nominated by a leader. And then obviously they want to make sure that that leader is paying attention to what they have done successfully and celebrating it. You know, too often someone goes the extra mile and yet nothing is ever said about it. And that's such a deflating thing for an individual. It makes them feel like, why did I do all that? Why did I stay here late or come in early or, you know, work over the weekend when nobody even acknowledged what I did? So leaders have to be willing and able to praise when it's right, to give considerate amounts of feedback that were not necessarily required in generations previously, and to really keep that line of communication open so that their people really know that the open door policy, which has been touted for what, the last 30 years, is mm-hmm. a reality. Yeah. Yeah, cool. And I think the the, the big thing I, I'm hearing is is that recognition or that celebrating even success for at times. And I don't know, I don't think it costs leaders much to actually recognize somebody. Just a few words to say, well done, or, you know, recognize them and maybe in front of their peers, in front of others. Uh, if not, just on a one-on-one basis, but it doesn't cost mm-hmm. anything. But then again, you know, leaders sort of struggle to do it. They're on to the next thing that I've got to get on with, another project, and we're just going to get on with things, right? And it's just like, well, hang on a sec. Can we just take some stock and do some celebration here and recognize people? Because that has massive weight in helping people move forward. Oh, absolutely. And we all have read the articles where it talks about how a person who feels appreciated always goes above and beyond. And when you acknowledge their knowledge and their experience and their efforts, they become your ally. And then when change does have to take place within the organization, they'll be on your side of the change instead of one of those naysayers, because you have shown them that you respect them and they respect you in turn. Yeah, nice. On your side, the change, being your ally, that's that's awesome. Do you want those uh, advocates, you want those influences on your side for sure? Mm-hmm. Hey, Denise, how has your business or industry changed and what demand has that put on you and your team? 
that's another question that obviously changes as fast as it gets said. But <laughs> one of the things that we've been focused on with this fourth technology revolution is skilling our people to be able to provide those solutions to our clients that they're looking for. And with skilling comes the opportunity to advance, um, to create new roles, to really stretch the people in ways that they thought they might not have before. We've also taken a very strong approach to making a stand of becoming the company that's known for our decarbonization efforts. And one of the things that um, was just put onto LinkedIn yesterday about our company was that we want to be the leader in decarbonized digital. And so what does that really mean? We have to educate our people about that so that they know that they're part of this greater effort, that we have a purpose to our company that everyone has a role to play within. And once you align the people with the purpose of the company, there's so much more that comes out of that. But that does come through very focused education, communication, and reinforcement of what the key ideals are. So, you know, from quantum computing to the pace of change, we have a lot going on that affects the way our people work and then throw COVID-19 into that. And the way we worked this year from, you know, March on has been completely different from the way we worked previously. Yeah, just as if you weren't busy enough. Oh, let's just throw <laughs> COVID-19 in there to see how things go for sure. Yeah, and I, and I think aligning the, your people to the purpose and, and seeing how your business and industry has changed and having to do that to line it, that, that's fine because a lot of organisations, they, they come out with strategy and they come out with purpose, but a lot of it gets pushed down people's throats and they don't know and understand what it means for them. And I think what you're, like, you're right in what you're saying there, and, and I love it, which is around aligning people to the purpose. And I think bring it to life for people and help them understand what they do on every single day, every single minute within their role and how that actually plays in the bigger picture. That will actually help a, a lot towards aligning people towards the purpose. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, if there was one thing you could change in business as a leader today, what what would that be? I would I would try to free people up more for learning opportunities. You know, uh, it's difficult for people to find the time to take even an hour-long um, web-based training session in the middle of their workday because there are so many demands on us. You know, you like you said in your intro, we're overwhelmed, we're constantly interrupted, and we're under pressure. So personal development, professional development always seems to take that back seat. So I would definitely work on ways to help both the individual contributors in the company as well as the leaders find more time for that training, which isn't a luxury, it's a necessity. If we want to stay at the leading edge of technologies, we have to you know, skill ourselves towards that. And if we're compressing training into this wee tiny little box, we're never going to be able to take our skills to that next level. Yeah, so it's not a luxury, it's a necessity is, is what we need to do. And developing our people, I mean, come on, leaders, that's that's our role, right? That That's what right. we're really here for. We're here to develop our leaders for the future and uh, leave our legacy and and get out there and bring these leaders along on the journey. That's what that's what our role is. And so, uh, Denise, I, I'm not sure, I mean, the question here is, do you see leaders whereby they're ready to go on to their next role. They're off. They're going to go and do it. But have if they look back and they look at their bench, in other words, have they developed the people in their team enough to step into their role and be their succession plan? Uh, or do you see there's a 
do they do that well, or do you see that there's a gap at times? Well, I, I have to admit that the past three years, there's been a very distinct focus on succession and progression planning at Atos, which has made an enormous difference for us. And we are doing a better job of preparing our current leaders and our future leaders. We have um, talent development programs that span the globe and start at the basic entry level of leadership and then all the way up to senior leadership level. We have mentoring programs in place as well as peer-to-peer coaching, which has been wildly successful. Our affinity groups, which are established across the globe, have had the opportunity to uh, create a network for people where they're meeting people who work for the same company that they never would have met otherwise. You know, with 73 countries, 110,000 employees, we can't know everyone. So the employee networks have really given them a chance to meet one another and grow together and then right. use each other in you know, uh, different types of ways as things progress. Like they may remember that so-and-so was involved in such and such and reach out to that individual and say, hey, I'm going to be working on a project that's similar to what you do. What advice can you give me? And so, you know, that's been one of the biggest bonuses of the succession progression planning focus we've had is the connections that have been made and that creation of more of a, we are in this together type of, of attitude and approach, so much so that during COVID, we actually came up with a slogan for our company that's, we are Atos, we are together. And that has really been a seminal moment for us in creating that culture of belonging together. Nice. Yeah, great, great. So we are together. I think the um, the, the big thing here that you're saying is, is the networking, which is really, really quite cool, because I think a lot of organizations or a lot of leaders don't network very well. And if they can actually network, but tap into that network in the future, because that is their future network but it also could be the future peers because they could you know they could be peers in the, in the future if they're not already and if they can tap into those people to help them out that that that's smart that smart leadership which is really really important um and it's fun too oh, wow yeah you might as well have fun doing it for sure absolutely how how has um employee expectations changed well, that's a great question. Obviously, with the five different generations, as you mentioned earlier, there are different expectations of what a leader should be like. You know, as the pe- the previous generations experienced, leadership was more hierarchical. You know, you entered into a company at sort of an entry-level role and worked your way up to leadership. It was a rite that of passage type of thing. And leaders um, were directive. They would tell people what to do. What the generations entering the workplace now want to see is more of a team-centric approach to leadership where, you know, people are on an even playing field, have equal opportunities, can come into programs such as mentoring and leadership development much sooner than generations previous to them, and then also have that opportunity to stretch themselves within their teams and take on additional responsibilities, get that cross-training that will help them be more successful. Because careers today are not ladder careers, you know, taking that hierarchical Mm -hmm. approach, they're lattice careers where, you know, they may take what some people would consider a backwards move to gain a additional skills, and then a lateral move to, you know, get more experience in a particular area and so forth. So it won't be that straight up the ladder. It will be more crisscrossing as they get the skills and experiences they want to make a next step. 
Okay, so employees are wanting to go up. It's uh, There isn't just uh, the old way, if I can put it that way, whereby they used to come into an organization and they go up and rise into leadership roles. They, it could be a different way that they go there now, a different path. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's not just one ladder up against a wall. It could be several ladders that they go go across, as you're saying, which is great. But those leader, those those employees are expecting to do that and they're looking for that. Are employees today looking for stronger, more effective leaders? They're looking for strong leaders, absolutely. Um, more, more. Um, what's the word I want to use here? More attuned to their needs leaders and more willing to act as a, a liaison for them. And, you know, helping them make introductions, having them get access to the training they need, and also giving them the experience in role that stretches mm-hmm. them to prepare for that next role. And that's sometimes a difficult task for a leader because you've got, you know, your plan of work and you got to work that plan. And if somebody is constantly asking you, can I try this too? Can I try that too? How do you fit it all together? So people really want a leader who can be strategic, can be forward thinking, is connected enough within the company that they can connect their people to others and then let all of that kind of happen within a frame that obviously gets the work done that has to be completed, but also allows for that opportunity to explore, reach out those, you know, those threads and weave it all back together. Yeah. Okay, great. So somebody who can actually be strategic for them. But I think the word that I would may use it for me when I'm hearing what you're saying is a little being an advocate for you. Mm-hmm. So they're actually out there and there will be a person who can strategize to help you where you're going, what the business needs, what you need, marry that together. But I think the other piece you said is about being connected enough within the organization or within the industry to be able to put you in touch with other people. Because mm-hmm. I think if you can have a leader that can share their experiences, share their stories, their war stories, if I can put it that way, their knowledge, but then also their network around the connecting piece, as you said, I think that's very powerful. And you know, employees are looking for that for sure. Absolutely. And if they find that in a leader, then they emulate that themselves when they get into a leader position as well. Nice, yeah. So what they see is probably what they do, and that's where mm-hmm. they'll get the results that they make. You know, they, and so if they don't see the right things or things being done in a certain way, then they may actually take that as well as being the right way to do it, and it may not be. So, yeah, really important that. Here's a question for you, and that is, what makes a leader successful today in this fast-paced, ever-changing world? I love this question. And I I know it has many different angles to it, but what makes them the most successful is their ability to make their people successful as well. And, you know, that's a leader develops their people so that their people can move on. A manager, you know, sometimes keeps those people under wraps and doesn't allow them that opportunity to explore and see what's out there and get ready for those next moves. So a leader is taking a risk every time they bring someone into their team because they know that that person will eventually be skilled enough to leave. And then making sure that they have someone right there who's been introduced enough to be able to step in when that person goes on to their next role. So it's a balancing act, but it's also a a huge act of faith and courage and respect for the people to make sure that they realize, I am not going to keep you under my thumb. I am going to give you an open hand to help you move forward with. And that is what needs to be happening. 
Yep, yeah, great. And so then their success is their ability to make people successful and helping them set up for success, mm-hmm. which, which is wonderful to see. And I think a leader today, you know, it probably doesn't have a lot of time in the sense of, okay, I've got three, four, five years here, I can build my succession plan and do that. Because what we're seeing today is leaders or even individuals as employees are in roles 18 months, two years, and then they're right. looking at and moving on to something else. So they're going to have to move even faster in the sense of preparing their people for the next role. And then I think that's going to have to happen a lot quicker than it has happened in the past. Yeah, absolutely. The speed of change, you know, just keeps getting faster and faster every day. So leaders need to be able to adapt to that too, to be successful. Yeah. And I wonder how much faster it's going to get over time, right? I mean, it's <laughs> it's just been really amazing. I think the the thing here that we've seen in this part of the world is, uh, you know, we went into lockdown for the with the pandemic and we went down, you know, lockdown very hard. I mean, the only things that were open were supermarkets and pharmacies. That's it. Mm-hmm. No takeaways, no cafes, nothing at all. And so we were in lockdown for four weeks and then sort of five weeks and then sort of came out of that. But what we saw is that it sort of forced us to slow down mm-hmm. and it forced us to to start going back to a bit of our roots. And, and, and what I mean by that is, that you saw people out every day, once or twice a day, walking around the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But walking around the neighborhoods, maybe in the morning as, as an individual, and then in the evenings, you saw them walking around with their family. Right. And when they were walking around, you, they saw you, they were waving to each other and saying hi and things like that. And it became this community side of things. And people were becoming more and more relaxed, even though they were stressed in the sense of the unknown, the unfamiliar territory. They didn't know what was going to happen, how long this is going to go for. And so in this part, well, in this country, in New Zealand, what we did is we came out of it. We got down to zero cases, which was amazing. And know, we've got I a few that. more. Yeah, we've got a few more come back now. But the thing here is that nowhere near around the other parts of the world. And so I think what you're saying, you know, just to hear that what you said before about the speed of change is getting fast every day, it's, it's amazing. However, COVID-19 sort of forced us to sort of relax a little bit and slow down, mm-hmm. which I think for some people that's been been good in the sense that they've actually take, taken time out to now reflect about their life and about their careers. Yeah. And, you know, there's been so much that's been looked into about what it's going to be like for employees to go back to the office mm. once COVID-19 restrictions are truly lifted. And I've been doing a lot of research on this to give our leaders some insights. What you're going to find is people have found very um, unique ways of being successful working from home. And when they come back to the office, they're going to want to be able to employ those, you know, those methods and so forth. And it will be different from the way things were before. Plus, you'll have people who got so used to the quiet that the office noise is going to be somewhat disconcerting. You Mm -hmm. also have people who really were focused on one task at a time and really did a great job of completing one thing at a time and got used to doing that. And then the, the competing demands will be coming at them from all directions when they get back to the office. So it's going to be completely different when our people come back and leaders need to be ready for that. Yeah, and Denise, you, you know, you and I, we've always, always talked about this, and I and I joke a lot with uh, people around the world that you know, New Zealand, we're always ahead of people because we're you're always talking to tomorrow, right? I mean, uh, mm-hmm. so so we're always a day ahead. And what we've done in lockdown is we've come out of that about three weeks ago, and people have not gone back to the office yet fully. Mm-hmm. 
some organizations have said, okay, uh, let's split you into three teams, um, team A, team B, and team C, or team blue, team red, whatever. And they've got the different sort of designations of the weeks or the days that they're in the office. So not everybody's in the office at once. That's one thing. Two is some people don't want to go back to the office yet. They just right. sort of, as you're saying, right, they've got into that routine and then the other one is I've seen leaders that go on back into the office that I'm working with and they're actually emotionally drained at the moment from this whole period of being in lockdown, but also coming back into the office. And as you said just now, they've been focused on that one thing and now all of a sudden there's all this other stuff being thrown at them again. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're, they're struggling. So it's going to be interesting to see how different companies and different countries come back out of lockdown as they go through those phases of the next few months. I agree. It, and it, there will be so much written about this period that, you know, we mm. could spend the next 10 years reading about it. Yep, too right. So I'm going to ask you to, uh, this is sort of a question I ask uh, all my guests, and it's sort of to bring out your crystal ball and sort of start mm. thinking about the future. And so... Where do you see leadership being in five years? You know, obviously COVID is going to have an enormous impact on that. And just as you were saying, and I was mentioning that everything will be different when we come back to, quote unquote, the the previous operations. And so leaders have to be more understanding and pathetic than ever, but they also need to be even more strategic than they may have been in the past and be able to give that big picture to their people because there will be that trepidation upon return. There will be, even if social distancing is part of the normal work practices, that worry in the back of people's minds, is this going to happen again? Will we go into lockdown? He just sneezed. Should I be worried? She coughed Mm. over there. My goodness. And it's all of those things that are going to be constantly revving through people's heads. So it's helping your people get clarity. It's helping your people know their their responsibilities, their due dates, all of those things. It's making sure they have the right tools to be able to do so and the right frame of mind to function within too. So, mm. you know, recognizing when someone is overly stressed and taking them aside and saying, what can I do to help you? What else can I do to support you? Is there anything you need from, you know, the company's services that could help you feel more more like you're you're doing the right thing and, you know, really performing at your peak? And that's going to be, you know, the opportunity to be that emotionally intelligent leader will be even more important than ever. And that's where inclusivity is really going to be important. Because if you don't make the people feel like they belong back at work, and that the structure is there to support them, then there will be that disengagement, that disenfranchisement, that resentment of having to had come back to the office when things were so beautiful at home, all of that. So you have to really be that leader who is checking the pulse sharing your own story about how it's how it is to be back because like you mentioned some leaders are going to struggle just as their people are in coming back to the office so it's again getting back to that transparency building that trusting relationship and keeping that line of communication constantly open otherwise we're just going to sink our own battleships yeah, wow. Oh, wow. Fantastic stuff, Denise. I think, um, you know, sinking our own battleships, <laughs> wow. And then I think that's something that leaders do need to be aware of. Uh, first of all, put your mask on make sh- uh, first and make sure you're looking after yourselves as well. And checking in the pulse of the organization, the team, your people 
and making sure that they're all okay as they're coming back into the office or if they're still back at home, just check in all the time, that line of communication, having that open. Denise, hey, it's been wonderful having you on the show today. So thank you for joining us. Absolutely. It was really fun. Thanks so much for having me part of this great, great experience. Awesome. And if our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? Um, My LinkedIn profile is out there. I'm Denise Reed Lamoureux at Autos Corporation. And I'd be glad to, you know, take any queries or any comments and continue the conversation. Awesome. Great. Thank you very much, Denise. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and the unfamiliar territory. It is time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Look out for the episodes as they're being released and published. Download them. uh, Have a listen. Put a review and a rating. Share them with your network as well. If there's any feedback you'd like to give to me about the show or if there's a question you want me to ask my listeners, and if there's a question you want to ask me on my freestyle episode, Ask Dennis, send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Uh, and it'll be wonderful to hear from you. Thank you for tuning in today. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 